welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 200. Woohoo! Building a Career, an interview with Joanna Penn, coming to you on Thursday, June 4th, 2020. I'm so excited. 200 episodes. Yay. If you're watching on YouTube, yes, I have my party hat on. <laughs> if I had some of those streamers and um, the, the things that you blow into at kids' birthday parties, not the kazoos, but the ones that um, like, anyway, I would have lots of more party stuff if I could. But I figured the hat was definitely, you know, definitely a 200 episode kind of hat. So yay, happy birthday to us. <laughs> We've been together two and a half years, 200 episodes together. I'm very, very excited. I hope that you have been enjoying it. If you're finding this episode uh, for the first time, um, there's there's 199 other episodes <laughs> that you can catch up on. I'm very, very glad you're here. I'm having such a great time with you. Um, I'm not sure if I'm willing to do what Joanna does. And sometimes she'll say, okay, I've, I've made it to 400. I promise to go to at least 500 because I'm like, wow, that's, that's almost a two-year promise. But I'm definitely going to keep on going. Um, there's no reason to stop yet, right? More and more of you are finding the show and enjoying it. And Hopefully, you're getting lots of good tips and helps and encouragement out of it, and that is why I'm doing it. So, a uh, couple of quick reminders. Remember, we are not doing the first annual Right Now Workshop Writers Conference in 2020. We're going to try it again in 2021 due to coronavirus and all sorts of things that are going on in the world. It just seemed like maybe we should put off the conference for a little while, but I don't want to put off spending time with you and sharing information that's in my head and other people's heads. So there are still going to be other ways that we can get together. For instance, on Saturday, July 25th, my friend Jennifer Dornbush, who's been on the show, she and I are going to be putting on kind of a mini conference. It'll be a half day. She and I and one more special guest, which I hesitate to announce until it's official, are going to be putting on a mini conference called Writing with Hollywood in Mind. So I'll be talking about how to use script writing techniques to make your novel um, more visually and uh, action-packed kind of exciting. And Jennifer will be talking about how to know whether or not your book idea is something that Hollywood might want to adapt, or if the idea that you have for a screenplay is uh, a big enough kind of idea for the screen. And again, we have a special guest in mind who will also be adding to that theme, uh, and we'll just have to um, wait to announce her later. So that will be Saturday, July 25th. Jennifer and I are going to put on a couple of free webinars before then. So I think July 1st and July 18th, we'll be putting on some free webinars, uh, teaching you a little bit about what we'll be talking about at our mini conference. So I will give you more information and a place where you can sign up for those very soon. Also, um, because I love to teach, instead of doing the conference this year, I'm going to do a little bit more on the teaching side. But again, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be not together physically, but together through Zoom. So I'm going to start doing officially, I've been doing it on and off for 
the last, I don't know, 15 or more years, but I'm going to officially start doing some book coaching. So I'm going to be um, talking a little bit more about a new class that I'm putting together that'll probably only have about five or six students in it, but we will be 100% totally focusing on each individual student, coaching them through their project. This class is going to be specifically oriented towards people who have been wanting to start and just a hundred thousand things keep you from starting, or you've started a whole bunch of times and never finished, or you've been working on the same project for two or three or 10 years and you just haven't finished. So I want to help you to get started or get finished, or both, that would be great. It'll be a two-month program. It'll be a lot of personal one-on-one calls as well as group calls. And um, I think it's probably going to start about the end of June. I think June 29th, if all goes well. If you're interested, get a hold of me and we'll get on a Zoom call and see whether or not this is a program that would be good for you. I would love to help you start and finish your project this year. Make 2020 the big year. Woo! (laughs) Then we'll wear the party hat again. Yay! (laughs) So get a hold of me at either kitty at kittybuholtz.com or send me a message on Facebook Messenger, which is just Kitty Buholtz, or send me a message on Twitter, which again is Kitty Buholtz. Uh, if you're just listening and you're like, I never did know how to spell your name, Kitty, uh, you can probably find my name in your uh, podcast app that you're listening to or on the YouTube channel that you're watching, but it is K-I-T-T-Y-B-U-C-H-O-L-T-Z. So reach out to me. Let's get a Zoom call. We'll find out whether or not this is a program that could help you. I would love to help you. And in other news, summer schedule. That's right. This is the first um, the first episode of June. So we will be on summer schedule for June, July, and August. That means that I will be going every other week with an interview or other teaching related topic. But I have a ton of interviews planned out. So we, we we have so many great guests coming up. I'm just so excited. Um, there's so much to tell you and so much to share with you. So starting today, June 4th, it'll be every two weeks. So the next episode would be June 18th, except for, did we do? Nope. The first Sunday of June hasn't happened yet. So in just a couple of days, it'll be the first Sunday of the month, in which case the Encouraging Words episode will come out. So that will be in a few days, but otherwise it'll be two weeks until we have another episode. We'll do that for June, July, and August. So um, a little bit of uh, summer vacation time for me and for you. Hopefully you will do what I'm going to be doing, which is more writing. So if you are in the middle of a project, keep going. You've got it. It's going to be awesome. And if you're struggling, well, reach out to me because maybe I'll have some tips for you. Maybe this class that I'm doing is the right thing for you. I want to see you succeed. I want to see both of us succeed. And sometimes that means taking a little bit of break in the summer from our usual activities and focusing a little bit more on writing. So give that a try. See if it works for you. I know that we're all struggling with um rearranged schedules and then try to rearrange them again. And now some people are going back to work and we're rearranging them again. So if there's anything that I can do to help, please do let me know. In the meantime, I cannot tell you how excited I was when I reached out to Joanna Penn to be my special guest on my 200th episode. She was my first choice and she said yes. And I was very, very excited. I probably cannot tell you guys often enough if you're not listening to the Creative Pen podcast as well. And if you're not listening to Self-Publishing Formula podcast with Mark Dawson, 
Dawson and James Blatch. Those are two more that you are going to get so much information out of. There's a lot of great ones out there. Those two are my favorites. So uh, hopefully I will encourage you to at least give them a try. But Joanna has been podcasting for 10 years and she has met so many people who have given her and all of her audience so much incredible advice. And I'm one of those people. I would not have as many books out as I do. And I would not be podcasting and I would not be doing a lot of things if it weren't for all the guests that I've heard on the Creative Pen podcast. So I hope that you are as excited as I am to listen to Joanna and to call her wisdom and make it a part of your own writing life and writing career. This is the year. This is the year. Whatever it is that you've been thinking, this is my new goal for this year for writing. Let's make it happen. Together we can do it. I have so many great ideas that I want to share with you guys, and I cannot overestimate sprinting enough. We'll talk about that more again later. So with all of my excitement in my party hat, let me just let you be introduced to Joanna Penn. Today's guest is Joanna Penn. Joanna is an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of thrillers under the name J.F. Penn. She also writes nonfiction for authors under her full name. She's a podcaster and an award-winning creative entrepreneur. Her site, thecreativepen.com, has been voted in the top 100 sites for writers by Writer's Digest. Welcome, Joanna. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show, Kitty. I'm so glad to have you here. I have to tell you, my very first uh, thought when I thought to myself, 200 episodes, man, I got to have somebody that I just love, somebody amazing. Who could it be? And then the first person I asked said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least I was the first person. Well, you would have had loads of people. (laughs) There were very few shows that make it to 200. So congratulations. Oh, well, thanks for that. I have to say there are so many shows out that I never really think about what were they're at as far as uh, in episodes or numbers of years or whatever. So Joanna Penn told me congratulations. (laughs) So this is not an elephant in the room anymore. We have now looked the elephant in the eye and the elephant is I'm such a fangirl. Wait, you're calling me an elephant now, Kitty. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Though after two and a half months of cooking and baking constantly, I feel like an elephant in the room. (laughs) Yeah, lockdown lard is what we've been calling it in our house. That's hysterical. I've been telling people the next pandemic will be the obesity pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Anyway, sorry. Back back where you were. Yeah, back to I'm such a fangirl. <laughs> so I have been following you, listening to you, reading your blog posts. Like I can't even think. But when I, when I went back and looked at your bio again, I was like, wait a minute. No, I... I think I'm one of your fans from like near the beginning because I was like, well, I lived in Australia when you started your podcast, which means I definitely had a smartphone to listen to podcasts on. So yeah, that's exciting. That's very cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, I started the podcast 2009, but I didn't really know what I was doing for a couple of years because that was quite early on. I think there's a, there's a lot more of a clear path these days as to what things are, but um, I'm I'm really glad I've continued and I'd encourage people like whatever we're going to talk about lots of things, but the fact is I've been doing all of this for over a decade. And if you persist for this long, uh, then something good is going to happen eventually. (laughs) So yeah, persistence is probably the key to podcasting, to being an author, to making money, the whole thing. Yeah. And I think maybe that's a thing in creativity in general, perhaps, because I was in a screenwriting program in LA and a couple of different people who were 
you know, big enough names that like, you know, their shows and stuff. Um, we're saying that you pretty much just have to think of it as a game of musical chairs. You just need to be the, the last person standing. Somebody's going to lose their seat and it might not be you. It might be open for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, keep, keep being in the place where the, the moving is going. And yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of people jump out of things too soon and then they're not there when when there's a chair available so yeah I think right. definitely persistence and that's why you know about the 200 episodes you're on I'm coming up to 500 episodes which I mean there are uh, probably I don't even know not many very few podcasters going after that long and also yeah. it is about business model so either you know you can do 200 episodes and enjoy it which clearly you do because you can't do it for that long without enjoying it but you also have to start thinking about how does it pay and how does it you know because it takes time it takes energy and I think the same with writing a lot of I saw a statistic the other day most published authors only have three books um wow. yeah exactly and that's unusual in the independent community I think indie authors we do a lot more books but um I think that's because a lot of authors don't see the success that they had in their heads and usually that success is win a prize earn a lot of money uh you know I don't think being famous is often there but yeah I think the long-term game is really important and I think about that all the time you know if I'm gonna be like Stephen King in my 60s or whatever then uh, you know I just need to keep going and doing what I do for 20 odd years <laughs> yeah yeah that's not that much longer <laughs> exactly I've got a lot of time to practice <laughs> yeah and the thing that's great and I think that it's important to keep in mind um, in our industry and in fact in a lot of other arts industries it's not like in the movie and television business where there are actually um, X number of jobs and X may grow or or contract but you can't just unless you're going to go indie there there isn't any place to go if you can't get other people to work with so not true in our business mm. I think that I have written a few screenplays and what put me off going like trying to take it any further was yeah I mean even if you get bought someone buys your screenplay uh the chances are it will never go any further it will never see the light of day and that's quite like a lot of screenwriters become quite demoralized i think around not seeing their work out there uh whereas um and even if someone does make it it could be years you know i think lee child says it took 20 years for jack reacher to become a movie and you just can't stake your career on that type of thing happening so i i mean like most fiction authors i would love a film tv deal whatever but I'm not going to stake my career on that in the same way that I'm not going to stake my career on a lightning strike, like becoming the next JK Rowling or something like that. I think if you're, you have that attitude of, well, I love writing things. I like creating things in the world, then I'll just carry on. And as long as I can pay my bills, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, then, then it's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause um, it is hard to type out of a, you know, cardboard box on the sidewalk. And I never wanted that. You know, I had a corporate career before this and I always liked money. I still like money. I like <laughs> yeah. traveling and, you know, I like having a pension and all that. So I, I feel like this is a very possible career if you want to make decent money as well. You just have to do it in a certain way. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue. So we're going to call this episode Building a Career because first of all, 200th episode, it needs like a great theme, but also, <laughs> also just if, if anybody is watching on YouTube, looking at the wall behind Joanna, yes, those are indeed only a small portion of all the books that you have out. So let's talk a little bit about, I love, I love hearing 
Um, some people like to hear stories about somebody's baby. I don't have babies and I've never no really me. wanted one. Yeah. <laughs> I like knowing about like, when did you first decide to write a book and then how did that go? So let's start at the beginning, but just give us the nickel tour so that we can then start talking about what we can offer people listening and how Absolutely. they can be building their career from wherever that they're at right now. Yeah, so I I was uh, IT consultant. I did a software package called SAP. If people uh, don't know that, it's a German software package, and I was implementing accounts payable in corporates around Europe, and then I went to New Zealand, Australia, and uh, so I had this corporate job, very well paid, you know, six figure. Um, salary but I got to my sort of early 30s and I was like this is so pointless and boring and I can pay all my bills but I'm miserable and I got to the point of crying at work and my husband was like you should do something else with your life um you know and so at that point I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and this was sort of 2006 um Tim Ferriss came out with the four-hour work week I started listening to bloggers and I thought oh this is great I can make a living online I can um so I thought I'd become a speaker slash blogger and then podcaster or that wasn't really called that back then so it was more like an online business with blogging so I started to go down that route and as I was doing this um, work I was researching how to make a living like how to find what I wanted to do with my life and I thought oh, well I'll write a book um, and I wrote my first book was called career change it was about how to find a life you want to do um, a job you want to do um, and in writing that book what was hilarious is I discovered publishing because I, I assumed I would just get someone to publish it and then I started learning about publishing and decided that I could do a better job myself and then but then failed miserably which was hilarious <laughs> so I, I didn't do a better job myself but what it, it should and this was again this was 2008 this was before ever you know before the KDP before the Kindle took off um, in the very early days of ebooks but then what I did is double down on that. I did more nonfiction. I started speaking and then I started writing fiction in 2011, left my job in 2011 and 2015 started making six figures um, and uh, overtook my old uh, income and my husband left his job. So basically at this point now, as we talk in sort of mid 2020, I'm coming up on you know, nine years of full-time author entrepreneur and certainly five years of earning more than, than I did in, in my day job. So it took a long time, but as you say, I've got sort of 32 books in different genres, but I also have a website, a podcast, I have multiple streams of income. And so all of that is, has grown uh, over the years. Yeah. And it's, it's an important thing for people to remember, um, whether so my audience has some traditionally published authors some uh self-published and some hybrid so talking about a little bit a little bit to everybody but i will say for the people who are traditionally published i know more and more of you are thinking to yourself i can write more than one book a year i just you don't have any place to sell it so i know that some of you listening actually started becoming a hybrid author simply because you like to write more than what can be published hmm. And there's a lot of people who are, um, you know, teaching a little bit of something somewhere. You have um, created all these different, uh, first of all, um, again, back to Fangirl for a minute. When we were at SVF Live, the, the last live event I've been to in March in London, um, I thought arguably your presentation was the best one of the day. Oh, thank you. Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> but um, there are so many things that you share about ways that you can um, increase your income, but also 
you have, it would appear, have chosen to do things because you like them as well as the fact that it's a good business decision. So if somebody's listening and they're like, but I don't really like to teach, like that's not what we're advocating, right? No, I mean, no, you, I don't really do much teaching uh, at all. I, I speak a couple of times a year, but I don't make a lot of money speaking. I mainly choose speaking things based on, well, I spoke at SBF Live because of Mark is my friend um, and it's my community, but also I'll speak places if I want to go to that place. <laughs> so I get asked to speak all the time at random places in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, no, not interested. But I, you know, when I'm like, well, hopefully fingers crossed uh, 2021, I'll be speaking in at Colorado springs and i haven't been there and everyone says it's lovely so yeah of course i'll go there but um so that's one thing speak but professional speaking can be good income but equally it's not for everyone and then online teaching so i do have some courses on teachable so um you know for example how to turn what you know into an online course <laughs> which i did recently because everyone was asking me the question so but those again i record them and i put them up for sale a bit like books they're up there, you can buy them or not, up to you. And then I don't have to do anything once they're up. I think if you want to teach and or consult or coach, that's a different, that to me is a service business model that I, I personally don't choose. But a lot of people love that, love that model and love working more with people one-on-one. -on -one. Whereas I choose scalable income models. So um, I much prefer creating something like books are brilliant because you create a book and then you can sell it for the rest of your life and 70 years after you die. And uh, you don't have to, well, unless, you know, unless it's nonfiction and you have to update it, mostly they can stay there and just keep earning money um, and also things like uh, podcasting affiliate income these are things you create once so say I do a tutorial on pro writing aid I create that once and it earns me money every month or the podcast I create it once and someone might discover the podcast today and go and listen to hundreds of backlist episodes so I haven't had to do any more work for that person to download it so what I want people listening to think is you have to choose what makes you happy and what is sustainable. And um, I'm an introvert. And I, as you, you know, I, we were going to do this the other day and I was just too burned out. So I said, sorry, I can't do it. But if you had paid me for consulting, I would have felt like, oh, I can't cancel this because, you know, that's that was arranged. Or if I was teaching a class live, I couldn't have moved it. Whereas I like a living where I can be more in control and have more freedom. So I think people listening you just have to decide yes what's going to make some money but also how do you want to live and I was miserable in that old job I de definitely don't want to be in this job <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I mean if you're going to be miserable then definitely have somebody else be in charge of everything <laughs> exactly you can earn a lot more money being miserable doing something else <laughs> that's right <laughs> Okay, so let's, um, let's focus just on the writing for a minute. So um, I have read, oh, um, I might have, I think I've read at least one book from all of your series, including the co-written book that you did. Um, so you have, um, on the one hand, a niche, but on the other hand, you've been at this long enough where looking back, you probably feel like, that maybe was a mistake, this, this road that I took right here. Or I know that you've changed covers on things. So hmm. let's say that we're talking to people. We'll, we'll talk to all of you guys all together. But let's say for a minute we're talking to the people who um, they're maybe only have one or two books out or they've got some books written and they're kind of getting ready to go. But 
they're nervous. There's lots to be nervous about, but what are some of the things that you would say to the, the newer writer as far as, you know, focus or staying calm or the amount of work? Uh, so what do you think people are nervous about? I think that sometimes the idea of putting the book, the very first book out there, I remember I published my uh, first book in 2011. Um, <laughs> when, when the best that you could get for a how-to guide was a, a class I found, I think, through RWA, where the directions were, do this, and if that doesn't work, do this, and if that doesn't work, <laughs> so it was, it was all in word and, and uh, lots of fun, and I'm sure you probably did something. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things about the tech that are going to make things easier for people now, but I think the idea of, um, is the book ready? Has it been edited enough? Am I going to be one of those people who is actually the, the person who's done it all wrong and I don't know it until people laugh at me? You know, those sorts of things might mm. be a worry for people. Uh, I think this partly why I wrote my book, The Successful Author Mindset, because I understand fear. For me, it was always fear of judgment. It still is often. Uh, what will people think of me? I mean, what, because I self-published in the very early days, I got, uh, especially when I moved back to the UK, I got a lot of negative uh, reaction. I got a lot of, not so much nastiness, but brush off and, you know, what do you, you must be pathetic kind of thing. And it, to a point that still is around, but uh, I'm comforted by the bank account. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You take your literary novel and enjoy it over yeah, there. <laughs> in, in, enjoy that. Um, I'm going to go off to this nice Michelin star restaurant this evening. Thank you very that's much. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, no, putting that aside, uh, I think what all I can say is I don't feel like I've failed at being an author. But every time you look at what you've done last year or the year before, you think, I could do it so much better now. So there's a few things you have to hold in your head as a writer. The first is, this is the very best project. This is the very best I can do right now. And that means as with your editing, you know, you hire a professional editor with your cover design, you hire a professional cover designer um, with your marketing, you learn, you upskill, you do all of that. So you're, you're trying the best you can, right? And yeah, there's a lot to learn, but equally until you actually publish one like I talked to a woman earlier um, uh, and sh sh she is incredibly successful in so many areas and yet she because she'd never uploaded a book on KDP before she was like you say nervous about it and I'm like you've, you've done so many incredible things why is this a problem to just log on to this website kdp.amazon.com and just have a look and but but there's this fear as you say of getting it wrong all I can say to people is look this is going to happen whether you traditionally publish or indie. The best, best thing, one of the best things about being indie is that you can just upload another book. Right. So, you know, if you submit that book to a traditional publisher and you hate the cover they've put on it, tough, tough luck. Or if, if people find a typo on book one, on page one, you know, uh, then you can't fix it because you don't have control. Whereas if you upload your book on day one, um, as an indie and look, no one's going to know who you are anyway. So you can keep it really, really quiet. <laughs> so true. And then basically you're like, Oh my, Oh no, what did I do? It's okay. Because well, a, you could just unpublish it or B you upload a new cover. You upload a new version of the book. You change keywords, you learn some new marketing, you do it again. So this is the thing. And 
so yes sorry you're just going to make mistakes that's the way but that doesn't mean you failed what it means is oh i just learned another lesson here or you know people like oh i don't want to do amazon ads or or book club ads because i'll spend too much money yes you will spend too much money uh in the first iteration but then the lesson you learn will mean you can move on so let's take um my first novel which was originally uh pentecost and i published it under joanna pen and i so if you see pictures of it now it looks nothing like it it's called stone of fire <laughs> and it's by jf pen and it's got a different cover the book has been re-edited um but it's still the same book on amazon it's got you know hundreds of reviews and all this and i i still upload new versions of that when i up, change the back matter i've changed the keywords i'm still like i was running book bub ads on that the other day and that's nine years old that book so what you have to think is the problem with traditional publishing is that they have this obsession with the month of launch and that that has spilled over into how authors feel but that month of launch is nothing like i don't feel that's important really i mean what's more likely so i hit the usa today list five years after publication with a box set. really yeah because it's much easier to do a promotional campaign when your book's been out a while than it is to do it in week one especially if nobody knows who you are so and in fact i've got a push coming up in a couple of weeks time beginning of june for my book map of shadows which i literally haven't done any marketing on until i have all three books ready and then i'm going to market book one so circling back to your point yes you're going to feel nervous that never stops you just have to learn to live with it yes you're going to make mistakes but that's the only way you learn i can tell you everything i know and i do it's all on my website most of it's free (laughs) you can download all the stuff um but no one is going to be able to help you give it a go and learn the lessons that you've got to learn basically yeah yeah that boy that's that's definitely uh, the exact same kind of experiences I've had. And the, th- the way that I try to look at it is um, I'm a storyteller and it's a much funnier story with a glass of wine five years later to look at the very first cover of my very first book. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, this is, yeah, I know this is terrible, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. No wonder I didn't sell any copies. People thought it was a totally different kind of genre. Exactly. But also what you've got to remember is that traditional publishing does this all the time. They frequently put new covers on books. They frequently change the title, even the title between the, if the hardback didn't work, they'll change the title and the cover for the paperback. They might try ebook only. They might do some more ads. I mean, Paula Hawkins, the girl on a train, um, you know, that was not her first book. That was her first book as Paula Hawkins, but she had written four books previously under another name. So traditional publishing do this all the time. They launch an existing author under a new pen name and try and hit whatever they want to hit next time with the next thing. So that's the other issue is that you have to try and, well, we're talking about having a career. So when I put a book out, it's not so much... Uh, this has to sell X number of copies this month. It's how does this fit into my career as a writer um, for the rest of my life? And then hopefully after I, I die as well, there'll be a, a nice estate for my uh, heirs and successors. Who are the right. baby. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So I think if you have that longer term view, it can really help. 
but I look if you're just starting out and you're listening and just starting out I totally understand I mean I still can't look at my one star two star reviews I just can't it it hurt like physically hurts me so I just I don't do that <laughs> yeah it's much better on the on the not just the ego but just the psyche I find it difficult to be um joyfully creative for a day or two at least after I've read something that's yeah I just don't knocking. I just don't do that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I read my I read my five star and four star to know what people like. The thing is when you find your voice in inverted commas, which takes a few books anyway, you come down to what is the DNA of you as a writer and I don't believe you can change that. You can become you can get better at the craft, but if you want to do this for your career, there are things that just come up over and over again in the writing that you do. And that's you. And that's actually what people like. So I'd rather focus on doubling down on what people like than trying to be someone I'm not. Yeah, I love that. And that's something that, again, may take you a book or two to realize, unless you're perhaps reading Joanna Penn's uh, Successful Author Mindset. <laughs> Still won't help you with writing more books. <laughs> yeah, Might just help you get over the fear along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so let's talk to the people who are in the middle. You're knee deep. You're still making um, the amount of money that does not yet allow you to hire any help. So now the more you do, the more you have to do. Um, I totally get you because I am definitely in that place right now. Mm. So what are some of the things that we can share with people from when you were in that place where you had to do everything or to some degree, it's probably really similar when you have a full-time job and you're actually still in that place where you're building your career, but you've still got the full-time job. So when you're feeling overwhelmed with the amount of tasks, how do you, um, not, ne not necessarily even prioritize, I guess I keep coming back to mindset, which I didn't mean to, but um, how do you just take a 30,000 foot view again and say, okay, these are the things, how, I'm going to stop talking and let you answer the question <laughs> the best you can. Just yeah, thinking so about people who have, you know, four or five books out, but it's not enough yet to hire someone, but there's so much work to do. What sorts of advice can we give them? Uh, well, you, I mean, you said the word prioritize and that like, literally that's the only thing you can do. Uh, what I would say, if you have four, four or five books or five or six books, uh, you should know whether or not you want to do this for your full-time job. And so I think your main decision is going to be where you want to get to next. So, and therefore what your goal will be. So when I was in my day job, my goal was always to leave my day job. So I knew I had to make income that replaced what I was earning and I was the prime wage earner. So I knew how much money I had to make to sustain a lifestyle that I'm accustomed to. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, that's why I developed multiple streams of income because books are difficult to make really good money on alone. And that's why most authors who most or most authors full stop make their money in other ways. And the books are just an extra stream. There are very few authors in the world who only make money from book sales for the long term. And we haven't seen the indie movement is not even old enough yet to see who's going to make it for the long term. 
Yeah. So when the, the indie movement really, I mean, it, obviously people have been self-publishing since, you know, print books for a while, but then KDP really took off in sort of 2011 was 2011 was sort of a tipping point. Uh, 2009 in the US and then sort of 2011 and some places are just discovering it now right so we have not even seen a decade go past yet so right. I don't but I don't believe that we can say we have any evidence of people who've managed this for a really long term which is why I love to listen and learn from people who have been in publishing for 30 40 years and they have seen all these changes and um, they all of them have said that they've crashed and burned several times and then come back because they love this as a job so all of that to say if you're at five to six books and you're overwhelmed you have to decide what you want okay because if if it's I want to make six figures, well, then you then you have some choices around, right, I'm going to write tons and tons of books and, you know, hone my marketing or I'm going to have other streams of income, like I've said, around affiliate income or courses or you stay in your day job and you write as a side gig or a side hustle and you're happy with the money, the extra money that you're making let's say you can make an extra $10,000 a year. Yeah. For many people, you can't live on that, but wouldn't it be nice to have that as extra? I mean, that yeah. will pay, pay for some holidays, kids, you know, whatever, graduation, college, yeah. you know. You're thinking so practical. I was thinking that'll pay for a trip to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or whatever you want to spend it on. But what I think, there's a huge difference between the author who wants an extra 10 grand a year to the author who wants to make six figures from book sales. You have to behave quite differently. And I think the problem with the busy, busy stage of anything is that you, you haven't stopped. So what I would say is you need right now, <laughs> stop, like stop doing. And in fact, during the pandemic, it's a really good time. And I've been thinking about my next decade. What do I want for my next decade? Because I'm making good money. It's not about the money now. It's about what else do I want? Um, so that's what we all have to decide. So if you're in that busy stage, you need to stop and go, right, why? So for example, I really believe social media has become quite different to what it was originally. And so now you have to be really careful how you spend your time on social media. I think a lot of it can be completely pointless because of organic reach just disappearing. So if you have to pay to play, where are you going to pay to play? And then you decide, okay, well, I'm going to pay for um, Amazon ads or BookBub ads. I'm not going to pay to boost this pointless Facebook thing that doesn't sell any books. <laughs> yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, um, and then a bigger question uh, that really, it, a bigger question around what you're writing. So, so many writers just write whatever they feel like writing without thinking about where does this fit and what kind of income can this make? So that doesn't matter if you've got other income, but if you want to make more money with your books, you actually do have to think who's going to buy this and what's the business model for my books. So I would say that that person that you're thinking about just has to take, has to take a step back and look at what do I want to design for the next step? What can I cut out? What oh, do I stop? Yeah. What do I stop doing and what should I do more of in order to achieve that goal? And I don't, 
I actually think that same behavior, that's exactly what I'm doing now at a decade in with 30 plus books is what do I want for my next uh, decade? So I've started another podcast, Books and Travel, because I don't know if the Creative Pen podcast will last another decade in the incarnation that it is. Yeah. Um, like you, I mean, the 500th episode is approaching and at 400, I said I'd go to 500. So the question now is, what's the next step for that? What's the next step for my fiction? So I want to encourage people to just take a step back and really think about what do you want and what do you need to do to achieve that? That's brilliant. Now, um, so I'm looking at all of your gorgeous uh, new covers, maybe not so new anymore, but the, the newer versions of the covers behind you all framed and beautiful. And I'm thinking, um, do you think that the... I hate to call it old advice, but the advice of the past decade to try to stick to one genre or something that in general would be the same group of readers is still applicable, you know, going forward now. You were talking a little bit about some people just like to write whatever, not thinking it through like a, like a business plan. How many products do I have for each of these customers? Yeah, I mean, I think that advice absolutely still stands. Um, it just depends on your personality and what you're going to do for the long term again. I mean, in, in nonfiction, I've been very good at this. You know, I have written books for authors. And the reason I did is that I just started writing to share what I was doing. And because I was early, I turned into someone who was ahead of a lot of other people. But that's just because I was in it early. But now I continue to write books. If you look at my books under Joanna Penn, the covers all look the same. They're, you know, they're very branded and they are aimed at an audience. And I also have the podcast for an audience. I have a YouTube channel for the audience. I have social media for, for a specific audience of independent authors or people who want to be independent authors. So that is very clear. My fiction, on the other hand, is uh, still difficult in that um, I have 10 action adventure thrillers, I have three crime thrillers, I have almost three dark fantasy um, books in a series and then I have a number of standalones that are ranging from horror to fantasy to YA you know so and I have written all over the place which is why I'm coming up with this moment of how do I want to shape my fiction going forwards because I'll tell you it's so hard to market I mean, it's, I mean, and as I said, I have a, a sort of themes and a way of writing a voice that goes through all my books, but readers of action adventure thriller don't necessarily want to read um, my dark fantasy uh, map walker series. In fact, someone even left a review, like a two star review saying, I love Joanna's arcane books. I wish she would write those and not these. Oh no. <laughs> And I'm like, ow. okay, yeah, ow. But the thing is, so when I said to my husband, I think that's actually a five-star review for the other books. It's just a shame <laughs> she's put that on here. But the thing is, I, I, I am doing this for the long term and I, have, I didn't want to get bored. So the more famous writers I will point out, so Jack Reacher, um, Lee Charles, Jack Reacher, I've heard Lee speak on this and he, was, he came out of screenwriting came out of TV and he said this is what he aimed to write a bestseller he did and then he said this is what the audience wants that's all I'm going to write uh, he has written one non-fiction but it is it fits in it's called the hero uh, but then Val McDermott do you know Val McDermott I know the name I don't think I've read them uh, okay well basically I heard her ask him a question at a um, online conference that I was listening to 
And she asked him this, don't you ever get bored with writing the same thing? Because Val is an incredible writer and she writes lots of different things. <laughs> and he basically said to her, Val, you are a great writer, you know, in terms of you, you it was almost, I can't remember his exact words, but his was almost you're following your creative muse. I'm following the market <laughs> and my market wants Jack Reacher books. So that's what I'm giving them. Yeah. And it was really interesting because I feel like perhaps we all have to, con we all do have to consider what the reader wants or the books will not get bought, but we also have to think about what does the muse want? Um, so, but what I'm feeling now, so I've written uh, 17, 18 fiction books, novels, novellas, um, plus some short stories. And I feel like, well, maybe now in my next decade, I can afford to be more market focused because I've written so much that's of my muse. Uh, I, I'm going to write what I find interesting, but maybe I could start considering um, the marketing when I'm writing. Whereas what normally happens is I just sit down and start writing something. And then at the end, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's what it is. <laughs> That's awesome. But what I would say is, you know, in some, I've had someone comment, I've been talking about this recently and someone said, Oh, why would you become something you're not? And I'm like, that's not it at all. The fact is we reinvent ourselves all the time. And I want to be a better writer in, in not just in my craft, but also my marketing and my um, book packaging and my uh, targeting and my storytelling and you're you know you understand screenwriting and the way these um blockbuster movies yeah. are made they don't just sit down and do something and then see throw it at the wall and see what happens they yeah. they craft a package before they sit down to to do the work on, yeah. on that stuff so i think it but people listening again i think what i'm talking about is probably somewhere you go after you've written some of the things that are on your heart because otherwise you feel like people are like oh but you, you know you're doing it just for the money it's like well no uh but i am interested in that and i have yeah. written a lot of books of my heart and the thing is, is that when was the last time someone told a, a bank teller or, um, or an IT consultant, but you're just doing it for the money? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really was just doing it for the money back then. <laughs> um, but no, but I, I mean, mean I, it wasn't a bad thing. So why is it a bad thing when, some, you know, it, it just well, annoys me. That's I'm, one of the... I would never just do it for the money. So I'm not, a go for example, I'm not, and I'm not saying it's bad to be a ghostwriter, but I'm not a ghostwriter. And I feel like uh, ghostwriters... That is, that is their job and their name is not even on it. Now I have my name on my books and I write books that I care about, but equally I need to be able to package those more effectively. So, but again, this is a, this is a decision that you have to make at different levels uh, of your career as we're talking yeah. about, um, you know, what about you? Where are you on that level? Yeah, I think that, um, <laughs> when I write something that is not exactly what my readers thought they were going to get, then I definitely hear from them a lot more. So that's, <laughs> that's something. <laughs> there's a positive in there somewhere. But um, definitely reading the reviews, even the one stars, I'm like, okay, so what you're saying is, if only I had written this. And I thought, well, I'll just write a different series that has that. So mm. I, because of, uh, because of some reviews I got on a chiclet, which I call it uh, semi-sweet. I don't, do you have semi-sweet chocolate in 
the UK? I've never seen it outside the no, US. No, because our chocolate's quite different to the US. We actually have quite decent chocolate. Oh, yeah. You guys just don't have decent chocolate, <laughs> unless it's in an artisan shop. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have to agree with you there. But it's, it's, um, it's on the darker end. It's probably more like 55% cocoa kind of thing. Um, anyway, so I have been in my mind, not re- really in my marketing, because I figure it's not going to make any sense outside of the US, um, calling my chiclet books semi-sweet. Um, the women, uh, the, the people use words that I use that I think are not that bad. Um, on the other hand, I decided to make the podcast G, so I can't even tell you the words that I don't think are that bad. <laughs> you know, there's, um, there's, there's kissing and necking and, you know, lovely things that weren't sex, but boy, that really irritated some readers. They're like, they do too much and they say well, too I, much. <laughs> I think, see, that's really interesting. And I've had... Uh, I don't use any swear words in my books, but, you know, I'm happily burn a nun alive on the High Line in New York. Or, you I know, think I read that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one day in New York, you know, or sort of sacrifice a child on some altar. And people yeah. don't complain about that. But, this, <laughs> the, but what we're talking about here is really interesting because, and you're exactly right, in romance, romance, like sweet romance as you say there might be the, the one kiss might be the high the, the whole highlight and then they get yeah. married um or but if you deliver that in erotica that book is not going to sell so this is really good it's about understanding expectation of genre and i yeah. think say for example my map of map of shadows um and my map walker books i have written aspects of supernatural but i didn't write magic until now and then people are like what why is there magic like this is magic she's <laughs> that's not what i expect from your books and so the reader expectation from our brand doesn't match their expectation so it, but even though these books are clearly fantasy and they've got different covers and all of this and they're in fantasy yeah. genre category yeah. it's still um you know, so these are, but these are really interesting questions. And you asked at the beginning about mistakes and, but I'm still learning too. And I feel like we all have to investigate the way this works. And sure, if you get a publishing deal, if I had pitched those books and got a publishing deal for fantasy, maybe they, the publisher would have said, we need to put these under a different name, but I already maintain two names and I don't, do not want to do another name. I mean, I've done another name with my mum. For sweet romance penny appleton but um i i it's not an active brand as such so it's very hard to maintain multiple brands so i think we have to strike a balance between writing what we love and writing what interests us and also figuring out where to pitch it and how to find our readers for that but i i also have confidence that over the long term if you just keep putting yourself out there, people will find things. And I mean, I'm getting some of the best reviews I've ever got out of my Matt Walker series. Nice. But I'm not going to write, I'm never going to write epic fantasy. You know, I'm never going to be a full-time fantasy writer. So you've got to figure it, you've got to figure it out for yourself. Like, what do you love? What do people buy? And that's, but that's also part of the fun. Like we yes. wouldn't be doing this if it was just repetition. 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking about what you said about Lee and Val. <clears throat> I'm sure that, first of all, um, that wasn't Lee's first radio. So maybe he wrote a lot of stuff that was totally from the muse when he was in his screenwriting career. I don't know. But maybe he's perfectly happy to just think of new ways to write Jack Reacher versus... Oh, he's, well, he's, you know, he is... I don't think he did. He was in TV. So that was the first book he wrote was a Jack Reacher, but he designed it to be a bestseller. Yeah. Um, but as but I meant, he was in his four yeah I meant that he had been doing writing already yeah as a screenwriter but I think as a screenwriter you don't write the muse as a screenwriter and with a job in tv you write yeah. you write what and he was doing cliffhangers and you know with the ad breaks and stuff so he knew his craft for for sure um but it's interesting because now he's just handed over um Jack Reacher to his brother so he's really? obviously yeah he's done with with Reacher he always said he would write 21 books and then uh he would move on but he's laughing away in his penthouse overlooking <laughs> overlooking the park in New York <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> but I, one of the things that you've said a couple of times about constantly learning um so I don't know Val but I, in my mind I'm thinking if you were the kind of person who was always looking for ways to become a better writer to have this book be better than the next then I think that just by virtue of being really good you're going to have a lot more reader crossover than if you write just good books you know or heaven forbid don't write mediocre books <laughs> well, I think the definition of good is in the eye of the reader um you know what is a good fantasy book is not a good uh necessarily a good horror or what is a good sweet romance is not good erotica so i okay, don't yeah. like terms that imply um good in terms of um, that way but as you say improving our craft and telling a, mean, better, yeah. telling a better story is is what we want to do so for example I know that setting is one of my strong points and it's based on traveling a lot but I also know that um, dialogue is is not I'm not as strong at dialogue as I would like to be and so learning more about screenwriting for example is really good for dialogue because it's so that's what you write yeah. <laughs> um, most of the time so I'm trying to get better at dialogue um, whilst so you don't just rest on what you you know you're always trying to improve and just picking something per book or like one of my books for desecration for example I wanted I really wanted to um to evoke a particular emotion so the focus of that book was a particular emotion and I think I I think I did okay <laughs> nice. but um, you know so I think picking each of those things is, is a good is a good way forward yeah and then for nonfiction writers um, again just wondering uh, when I don't know how much you talk to nonfiction writers but again you have found your niche that um, you know your readers you you have a pretty good idea of what they want and when you're not sure you survey them because I know I've been in some of your surveys um, which is a great way I think for building the book that people actually want to buy um, do you think that um, aside from the person who's writing one or two books to supplement the career that they already have and are happy with um, do you have any advice for nonfiction writers when it comes to um, going off on various subjects or um, you know choosing the topic and how and thinking about how difficult or easy the marketing might be uh well i think with nonfiction, in general you're going to be most successful if you already have an audience in some way so uh 
you know, that's why many bloggers, podcasters, speakers have books. It's because they already have an audience and they want to sell them something. So what I would, and then potentially if you're say an academic and you specialize in a topic, that's why a lot of people go into academic publishing. Um, with the self-help niche, uh, you know, you have to think about which subcategory you're going to be in. But I think that you have to, again, take a step back and figure out what you want to do with that book. So most people who write nonfiction are going to make money in other ways. That might be, again, speaking, teaching, coaching, consulting services, you know, like quite a few book cover designers now have written books on book cover design <laughs> because it attracts people into their business um, right. because they're like, people see it and they go, well, I think I should do it myself. And then they read the book and they go, oh, I'm just going to hire someone. Oh, how about this person? So I think a lot of people do write fic nonfiction to, to uh, bring people into the other forms of income of the business. And certainly uh, that is effective. So having an ecosystem is really good. That's what I have for the creative pen. It is an ecosystem. Uh, of course you can write the book of your heart for nonfiction, but I think if you write that and you publish it without thinking about all the other things, because nonfiction writers don't tend to be as prolific in the niche as fiction authors because there's only one, you know, you can only write one book on, I don't know, how to grow organic tomatoes. And then <laughs> yeah. the next book might be how to grow organic, you know, courgettes or something. Yeah. But, you know, the, a lot of people don't write that many nonfiction books. They might pick a topic and come up with something, but they generally will have an ecosystem around the book. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Okay. I know that we're um, going to have to wrap up soon, but one of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to say it again, um, you have many, many times strongly encouraged people to take the assets that they already have and ask themselves, what else can I do with this? There's, there's a whole lot of things like creating different versions of your book that aren't actually going to cost you any money and can end up making you some money. Do you want to just give us a brief... The, the Joanna Penn version of... Uh, what, you mean different formats? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so I think many people, if you're self-publishing, they just think, oh, just do an ebook. Uh, but of course, you can do um, paperback, print on demand. You can do hardback print on demand now with, uh, with Ingram Spark. I do large print. Uh, also, audiobook, you can narrate your own or work with a narrator. Uh, then, of course, you can multiply that by the number of platforms. So with ebooks now, it's not just Amazon. With audiobooks, it's not just Amazon. Uh, you, can, you can publish on many different sites, including at the moment, I think, in, uh, with lockdown is really interesting because library apps are becoming, you know, there's a lot of borrows in library apps. And you can be in library apps uh, for your ebooks and your audiobooks very easily. Uh, so then, and then you're thinking about countries. So you multiply that by all the countries you can be in. And uh, I think I've sold now in 144 or something countries through nice. the various platforms. And you can only do that if you publish wide. So not exclusive on Amazon. But then I'd also say to people, if you want to be exclusive on Amazon for your ebook, you can still be wide with your um, print books, your audio books. So what I think is don't consider it as one book, consider it as, you know, one pr product 
that you can turn into all these other products and other streams of income. So, but I think because we can you know, say I'm holding this book, I've written a book, people just tend to stop there, whereas there's lots and lots of other opportunities. So yeah, just um, think much bigger. I love it. I love it. And this is why I will tell my listeners one more time. You've heard me say it before, but now we're going to say it right in front of Joanna. Excellent podcast, excellent website. You will learn so much, including Joanna, you are a big um, uh, lover of all things in the future. One of my favorite uh, just bits out of an episode was when you and I can't think of who were talking about um, the licensing rights. If, if somebody goes up on one of these space shuttles that are now going to be open for tourism, you know, what are the rights to the music and the eBooks and the whatever entertainment is up there? And do they really have the right to read your book unless they bought that right from you? <laughs> yeah, this was um, off-world rights. That's right. Yeah. Which basically publishers will take everything. But usually, as you say, it's um, a publishing contract is world English. So the question is, what is what is off world rights? And, um, you know, so, yeah, there's, there's so many things happening. I mean, the reason J.K. Rowling, uh, in inverted commas, self-published the Harry Potter ebooks is because she never signed her ebook rights away because she published well before digital rights. And then she said, uh, no, I think I'll do that myself and started her Pottermore company. So this is the thing. Like, there's so much opportunity for writers. It is, it really is the best time to be a writer. Oh, I love it. Now people are going to be wondering if they don't know of you uh, already, where can they find you and your books and all the things that you do? Yes. So uh, as podcast listeners, come on over to The Creative Pen Podcast uh, on all the usual apps and thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N for my free blueprint and lots of free resources uh, and any questions at The Creative Pen on Twitter. Awesome. Joanna, you have made me such a happy person. My 200th episode and I have Joanna Penn. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for having me, Kitty. And, uh, you know, see you in a couple of hundred.